A content warning. This episode includes brief discussion of suicidal ideation. Uninvisible is a support podcast that deals squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our terms of service and privacy policy which are available on our website located at uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman. And I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, I've cooked up something amazing with my friend Natalie Y. Beavers, founder of Angels of Epilepsy, and it's all yours for free now. Go to my website at uninvisiblepod.com and download your free ebook called Hacking Healthcare, a resource guide Natalie and I have compiled using not only our experiences in the healthcare system, but also with the assistance of other patient leaders who have added their two cents. From a message of empowerment to notes on navigating health insurance and your doctor's visit, this is an invaluable guide intended to make healthcare more approachable and to give you the tools you need to succeed. This resource has been incredibly eye-opening and important to us, and we hope that with it, you will see real results and improve your experience in the system. Once more, that's a free download of Hacking Healthcare at uninvisiblepod.com. Go check it out, guys. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with Danny Donovan. Danny's an illustrator and known for her work in ADHD advocacy. She lives with ADHD. She's going to talk to us about that, but she also lives with possibly undiagnosed Ehlers Danlos syndrome and she lives with bipolar too. And there are a few other diagnoses in there, so she's going to tell us all about it. Danny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love to start at the very beginning of the story, and I, I would really love it if you could share it with our audience when and how you first realized that you had something going on, both mentally and physically, and how you've diagnosed and treated yourself since then. So I think I've I've always felt different, <laughs> uh, but I spent a large portion of my life thinking that that was like my fault somehow, right? As many people with mental illness can attest to. Yeah. Especially when you're a kid, you don't, you're never like, you know, in second grade and you're like, Oh, I hate myself. Maybe this is depression. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Nobody thinks that. I just thought that everybody felt that way, you know? Um, and so from a young age, I felt kind of like isolated and alone, you know, sitting by myself at recess, um, had a hard time making friends. And then once I got to kind of like fifth grade, um, well, I mean, I'd even have one-off friends, but I kept, I kept moving school so often that I was starting over and I wasn't getting the kind of like social skill building, um, that I think I should have. And I got to like third to fifth grade and I'd started to make a little friend group. And so I won't get into the details, but you know, some stuff happened and, this girl, new girl came in and convinced everyone that I was like annoying. And so that really has become like a trigger word for me. And 
this annoy this thought of like being annoying and I am annoying and people don't like me and people, you know, don't want to listen to me and I'm bothering everybody with my presence mm. kind of a thing. Really, I just became part of how I thought about myself. Yeah. And so when I got to then middle and the middle school, eighth grade, and I was, you know, getting to the point where I was kind of suicidal and that was, that was a wake up call. I think, especially because, um, I told a friend that I had been thinking about it, that I was better now, but I had thought about it in the past. And, you know, she had kind of talked to a principal and then the principal told my parents and then like it became this huge, like, well, Danny needs to go to therapy and, and it escalated. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, they were following me around to soccer practice and it was mm. just bad. And, um, but so I got it labeled with depression first. Um, and then in high school, I kind of had started to see, I, I feel like I kind of blocked some of this out, but I was sorry. Doing, I'm making you dig it up. No, no, it's good. I just hadn't thought about it in a while. Um, I did like biofeedback and stuff for like anxiety and yeah. I got labeled with like a mood disorder, right? Uh, dysthymia, I think, but then nothing was kind of done with that. Um, and then I went to college and I got re-diagnosed with depression and panic disorder. Cause now I was having panic attacks and I thought like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die. I need to go to the emergency room. Hmm. Uh, and so then I went to see someone about that. And I was kind of talking through my personal history and what school was like for me. And she goes, have you ever thought about ADHD? I'm like, mm, hmm. no. And this was something that previously when your mom had asked a teacher when you were a kid, uh, yeah, well, that's exactly it. And my mom had told me that um, they'd asked my fifth grade teacher if I could have ADHD, and she said I was too smart. Which and is a total misconception about ADHD. Very big. And that's one of the things, I mean, I have my own misconceptions about it, that uh, everyone I knew who had ADHD was a boy, and they were, like, running around, climbing on trees and doing this, and I wasn't like that. I was just very, very overly enthusiastic, talkative, motor mouth, you know, and... Um, and a super smart one. <laughs> yes. And I wasn't struggling in school, but the social, the social struggling mm. uh, was a huge factor. But like, because I was getting good grades, I really slipped under the radar. And so it wasn't until I got to college and, and my parents were really great about having these built in like structure. Like I had a room that was very, I was very privileged and had a dead the den was like a homework room there was no tv it was just like a desk and a remember boom boxes yeah there with like instrumental music and so I had space to focus and it was like you can't do anything until your homework is done and here is the quiet place where you do homework so and they the, sort of your parents had learned to manage your attention yeah, they didn't know it was ADHD. It was just like, oh, this is this will help you focus. And it did. And so mm -hmm. I did well in school. And then I got to college and suddenly my life was like, I did not struggle in high school because I didn't even have to study. You know, I just naturally kind of retained information. And now, oh, I haven't built study skills <laughs> and I have a hard time focusing and I don't have any quiet place to myself. I don't have my own room. The library has people in it like there's no place to go that's quiet <laughs> anymore really and so 
but I didn't go to a doctor to be like, I'm having a hard time focusing. It was like, I'm going to the doctor because I'm like, I am having a hard time making friends in college. I am getting depressed. I'm thinking bad thoughts again. I don't like being in the spot. I put me on antidepressants or whatever. Like that's where my head was at. And she had kind of mentioned too that because I had anxiety um, and that untreated ADHD a lot of the times is like this foundation that then anxiety and depression start to build on top of. And people will treat the things, try to treat the depression and treat the anxiety, but you're not un- treating this underlying ADHD, which the reason you're having anxiety, the things that you're having anxiety about typically are directly related to your ADHD symptoms. And so being able to start down here, you can't see me because I'm on the podcast, but like (laughs) yeah, working up. And so, but for even 10 years, you know, I was taking medication, but I wasn't really seeing a therapist for anything other than getting medication. And it sounds like it was a band-aid. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it helps me focus enough that I did well in school again. Mm. Um, And so I, because that was always this measurement of how I was doing is, am I getting good grades? And so if I wasn't, if I was getting good grades, then everything was working. Even surely a high achieving person has no problems. (laughs) I wasn't feeling depressed and I was getting good grades. My brain was like, that's good. That's good. Mm. Yeah. Good enough. That idea of it being good enough. Yeah. Exactly. So like that's because that's I've been to where I can't manage either of those things. That is the bad place. Everything else is fine. And so I didn't think about it for years and years. I never thought about it after college and how maybe the reason why I have a hard time doing laundry is that it requires a lot of executing uh, executive functioning skills to start and stop and start and stop and remember that you can't leave this in here for too long. And if the reminder goes off, you can't turn it off because then you're going to forget about, you know, and then you have to like, there's so many moving parts that all happen at different times and that managing that and remembering all of that and then getting the motivation of, Oh, it's done. Now I need to fold it. Now, even if I, now I need to put it away. Like there's so much, there's too many steps. steps. And so like, it just progressively, each step gets harder. Like sometimes like you'll make it to the part where the clothes are clean. And then this is what happens at our house a lot. They just stay in the laundry and they're just pulling out what you need out. Like you'll go all the way downstairs. If it makes you feel any better, that's how it is in my house too. And that's just because I don't have time. Where I'm like, I don't. And so I, uh, but I never thought about those types of things, right? Like maybe that's why the back of my, maybe I am not just lazy. This is not that hard for other people, right? Not everything that is included in daily functioning life is difficult for everyone all of the time. Um, And so for me to then stumble across uh, Jessica McCabe's How to ADHD YouTube channel and see someone with ADHD talking about ADHD and how it affected her daily life, including how feeding yourself is difficult because grocery shopping is difficult because all, and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. On all the like overstimulation. I bet that's really hard. And the, and the deciding things in advance versus impulse buying versus like having to make the decision to get in my car and go do this routine task that is boring and, it's just easy. And then I have to cook those things and plan what I'm going to eat and like remember to defrost the chicken and like all of this stuff that goes into cooking that I had never put together that 
so many of these skills are directly related to your ability to your brain to be able to regulate itself and regulate its attention. And ADHD is not not having attention, right? It's having a difficult time, like having, I would say inability, but like I can't always control what I'm focusing on. And so sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes I get hyper-focused and I'll clean the entire, you know, plate, our entire apartment. And then it'll all like fall back into disarray and then I'll get so anxious about it being messy and I'll think to myself, oh, I should clean. I should clean. I should clean. I should clean. Why am I not cleaning? Why won't my body get up? And so then, but then when I finally start, I like can't stop until it's done because I know if I stop halfway through, I will not pick this back up again. The activation energy will be too great. (laughs) So I will do it, but the, but it happens in the cycle and these cycles happen over and over again. Um, and it's such a terrible, it wreaks havoc on your self-esteem because you think I did it, I got it. And then, but you have a hard time maintaining because maintenance is not something that lights up my brain. Maintenance is boring. And because I don't have, I haven't developed skills to routinely make sure that, oh, in order to make it not cluttered, you need to put stuff away as soon as you're done with it. And and I know that, but like implementing that is difficult, right? So then it builds back up and then you get back to it and you're like, see, I'm a, I'm a messy person and I want to be a clean person. And there's just this really big, like that's what guilt is, right? Of like my behavior does not align with what I'm expecting of myself or what other people are expecting of me. And so there's this constant overwhelming feeling of like guilt and the shame of telling yourself, I am not someone who can do this or whatever it is. And so the same kind of like shame cycle, um, I would say that a lot of neurotypicals might be able to understand because you say that and they're like, well, just try harder, right? You just need to pick up after yourself. It's not that Mm. hard. And it feels the same way as if you have ever tried to lose, if you've ever tried to lose weight or wanted to lose weight and people say, you just need to diet and exercise. You just need, just make time for it. It's not that hard. Just do it. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to do it. And so then maybe you, you do, you decide you're going to do it and you buy all the fancy gear and you get yourself some workout clothes and you join the gym and you feel really good about it for like two weeks. And then something happens and you get off your routine and now it's hard to get back on the horse or you're getting discouraged because it's not as fun as it used to be or you're stagnant or whatever it is. And then you slowly dip back into your old habits. You realize, oh, my gosh, this is so much better and easier. I miss being able to just not have to worry about all that. And then you gain weight back and then you beat yourself up and then you do the whole thing again because you maybe you lost weight, you made progress and then you gained it back and you reverted back to your old habits. And there's. And that's an issue for me where I do this kind of yo-yo diet cycle truly with dieting, but also with other areas of my life. And I think there are a lot of people that knowing that you should work out is different than being able to get your butt to the gym and work out every day. And there are people where working out is not hard for them. And you might look at those people and be like, though. (laughs) Yeah. Literally I'm like listening to you and I'm like, I think I have ADHD. 
too. I think that's why we talked for 30 minutes. I was going to ask you before. I know. Oh my gosh. Because like what those who are tuning into this episode don't know is that we spent like 30 minutes chatting and catching up before we hit record. But also we're both really good at like going off on a tangent and coming back to one. And I'm like, oh my God. And I have the same thing with the laundry and the same thing with dieting and the same thing with exercise. Girl. I can, t- I would say I have, I was going to ask you that I was going to wait until after the, after the podcast, but I, <laughs> no, let's talk about it. This is wow. That this is what happened. So my um, mom and one of my best friends and other people in my life who I just clicked with immediately. That's how, that's kind of how I can tell immediately, especially with other women that they have ADHD. My, one of my best friends, girlfriends and my best, like pretty much everyone that I'm close to because it's like we click you get me I get you and it's rare but we like have the same like energy wavelength right where you can recognize and you because you don't annoy each other you're not worried that you're annoying each other and you can follow each other so you can we can both get off topic and off track and but nobody's thinking to themselves the whole time like oh my god can you just get back to the point like I never know judged in conversations I never feel so it's very much and then, but it's great because now I've got like all ADHD friends pretty much. And I never have to worry about changing or altering my behavior to like fit in um, and appear to be, you know, to be something else. We're a very understanding bunch. So earlier yeah. when I'm talking, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm late. I'm so sorry. Like we just apologize for everything because, you well, know, we've been taught to do that too. <laughs> as women, especially like mm. conditions. Um, but to, to a certain extent, like I have such difficulty with being criticized or thinking people are mad at me. Um, that oh my God, you're ticking all the boxes for me right now. <laughs> work, you got to go look at me. Like- I know I have, but this is the thing is like, I've always related to it, but the more I'm talking to you and like hearing exactly. firsthand, the more it's becoming very yeah. clear to me that like, yeah, I'm on that spectrum to this going, yes, me too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. This is like the hashtag me too in a different way. <laughs> I have, I, have uh, I had a TikTok that went viral um, relatively recently, like a month or two ago. And it's me kind of pointing, you know, and saying like, if you've always struggled with, you know, keeping or like a messy room and, uh, and then I've got a whole other one that's, you know, like accidentally, like accidentally dominating conversations or like interrupting and blurting out and like uh, being told you don't have a filter or, you know, that you just all of these different kind of things that we get told over and over again, that you have, if you're worried about not reaching your potential <laughs> like mm. all stuff that like, if I could just try harder and apply myself, I know I could be really great. And maybe I do feel really great, but I feel like I could be better and I know what I want to do and I know what I need to do, but I can't seem to do it. And there, most people have some form of that. Okay. It's not like just ADHD people have these feelings, but there's this like overwhelming paralysis when it comes to certain things that then becomes this avoidance. People with ADHD tend to avoid things that um, even small, so that'll work right back into what we're talking about, which mm. is avoiding making doctor's appointments is a big one for me. Or I make a doctor appointment, I call to make a doctor's appointment and they don't call me back and I don't follow up half the time because I forget. I mm. feel accomplished that I worked up the 
willpower and I call like calling the doctor to make an appointment is like an achievement for me. And when I talk to people with ADHD, they're like, oh my gosh, like that's awesome. Like I'm really proud you finally did that. That was like a big hurdle, you know, and just, you know, but once you do it, it's like, well, yeah, oh my gosh, it only took like 45 seconds. And you're like, I know it did, but like I had to work up the the nerve or something. Yeah. Or even just to, you know, that activation energy that you have to work up, as you say, I have the money to pay these bills, but I have to pay them by check. And I don't know where the checks are. And I think maybe I know where the checks are, but they're in the closet and the closet's really messy. So like, I'll go do that later, but not now. And then it's like, Oh, this got sent to collections or whatever. When I have the money to pay for it, I just, Mm. then it got buried underneath this mail and I didn't see it and I forgot about it. So people with ADHD tend to pile things or put like, I have to put my backpack next to the door because if I don't, I would forget it when I left for work. Like I will. Oh my God. You are speaking my language right now. I forget that I have a drink until it's over here. And then, oh, my coffee. I'm used to drinking lukewarm coffee because as soon as I set it down and I start working on something, it like disappears from my brain. And like, we just have this real, again, the avoidance of um, certain things that people, nobody likes doing. I'm doing air quotes. People can't see me. Nobody likes doing that stuff. Nobody likes running errands, you know, (laughs) but like this horrible, painful, almost like pulling teeth to get yourself to do stuff. And it affects your life in a really severe way. Well, it's like that your brain paralyzes you. Yes, yes, exactly. And people from the outside, they just see that you're not doing it. They don't see this whole inner monologue where you're beating yourself up constantly Mm -hmm. for everything. And like, Everyone's like, you're your, you're your harshest critic. And that, that is true to some extent, but it's all about these expectations too, right? That like these expectations of others, of society, of whatever, like, right? Like being on time, being on time is a good thing. I'm not saying people shouldn't be on time. I'm the worst at that. So <laughs> it is something where some people with ADHD are like overly like early to things because they're very anxious that they might lose track of time and be late. So they'd rather be there early. Right. Mm. Versus me where I'm like, well, I looked it up and it's 15 minutes away and it is. So I don't need to leave until 45. Right. Mm. When it's 140, this is at two, when it's 145, then I need to leave because it's 15 minutes away. Like my brain is trying to maximize the amount. Yeah. I could be scrolling on Twitter and not like, Oh, well I'll go. And if I'm early, I'll scroll on Twitter. It's like, no, Twitter now. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a, in a way it's sort of related to obsessive behavior, isn't it? Wait, like, where are my keys? Where are my socks? Did I feed yeah. the cat? And before you know it, like it's not 15 minutes, but I don't plan any buffer time for traffic. I don't plan any buffer time for anything. I just underestimate or way overestimate how long things will take to do. I cut you off. What did you say? Sorry. No, I was going to say, I mean, in many ways it's related to obsessive behavior, isn't it? Because like the antidote, the thing that makes you focus is obsessing about something and being focused on that singular thing for a period of time. People who think people with ADHD are just lazy have never talked to people who have ADHD and are OCD, which is actually a very common overlap. Uh, but I've had who have now gotten diagnosed and I mean, uh, who are getting treatment and it's like putting on glasses, right? Where you go, Oh, 
I did not know that this could even look this way, that trees had leaves on them. I thought they were just kind of these blurry green, you know, but that you didn't realize, oh, okay, like this isn't supposed to be this hard. But to recognize that, like, it's not my fault that I have a hard time with this, that, you know, certain cards are stacked against me. And so I've got to learn to play the cards that I do have. (laughs) Yeah. And this ties again, back into the whole thing with doctors and scheduling appointments. I mean, part of the discussion that you and I had when we were catching up before we started the interview is about the fact that like, even just making a doctor's appointment, sticking with the same doctor, following up when a doctor moves practices or following up when someone makes a recommendation and losing the slip of paper. And, you know, which for someone who is neurotypical might be a very easy connect the dots for someone who's living with ADHD and trying to get diagnoses of rare diseases like you are, it becomes even more challenging. So it's like this thing too with ADHD where like, you're like, things are harder for me, especially regarding medication and picking up medication that's supposed to help me focus. And it's like, especially for ADHD meds, right? Cause they're scheduled two or whatever drugs. Um, and so you can't a lot of times like have them delivered anything that involves my insurance. I'm like done, right? Like it's just, it's over. And I have a bill, an outstanding bill that I haven't paid because I got overcharged by insurance and I needed to just call insurance. I just needed to call them, just call them, just call them. And I didn't. And then now it's too late. And now it went to collections and I'm like angry that I have to pay this $800 bill for a physical when it was supposed to be covered. And you know, Mm all of these different things that like ADHD, they call the ADHD tax where there are certain things like late fees, you know, or whatever it is in certain areas where you are getting penalized for things that other people aren't difficult for other people. And they have very little empathy or understanding for things that are not difficult for them. And I heard this thing that, and someone was using this to describe, um, you know, privilege in the example of like white privilege, which is like, you don't ever have to think about your race. Right. And like, that is a very different type of privilege, but someone had put it into terms of like, if you're right-handed, you never have to think about the fact that you're right-handed because the world's built for right-handed people. The world's built for right-handed people. You don't realize that scissors don't work the same, that there are left-handed scissors. You don't even know that's a thing typically, unless you've got friends who are left-handed. And if you say, uh, do you have left-handed friends? You can probably off the top of your head, think of anyone, you know, not every, everyone, you know, but like being left-handed is a thing that not everybody is. And so there aren't natural like desks, desks for high school and college. They're built for right-handed people because most people are right-handed. And so because of that, like it's something you don't ever have to think about. And like, when you say it, you know, it's just like, well, just use the other scissors. It's like, but if you were forced to use things not made for you your whole life, you know, and you're taking an extra leap every time there's an extra step mentally. And it's not even like, well, all desks should be left-handed desks. Like no one. Well, that's a bit like all lives matter too, isn't it? It's, It's not what anyone is saying, but it's like, if someone needs that accommodation, it should be, it should not be ridiculous to ask that a classroom have left-handed scissors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's influenced 
the way people judge other people because of the way the world is built. And the insurance system does not help that. And people there, I mean, there are people too, who are like, well, just, I'm going to say, don't be left-handed, you know, like you can train yourself to not be left-handed and you can, you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't pick that. You don't just decide you're, you know, oh, I'm five. I'm learning to write. I think I'll be (laughs) right-handed. Yeah. It's not that simple at all. Absolutely. So how does this, I know that there have been, you know, issues with getting appointments and like follow-up and stuff like this, but you've, you got the diagnosis of ADHD. It sounds like when you were like in college. Yeah, I was a freshman. Yeah. And then prior to that, you'd been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, panic disorder, which are all interrelated. Both dysthymia. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Ehlers-Danlos stuff to come back to that, right? Like that stuff that like you've had several doctors tell you, yes, it sounds like you've got it, but the tests are really expensive. A cure, it's not really going to serve you and do anything other than be, you know, because they put it on my chart anyway, Hmm. after I tell them like, oh, one time a bug landed on me and I like jerked my shoulder forward and my, my shoulder literally dislocated and was like hanging, like hanging. And then I sat backwards and like popped back in. And now when I lay on this side, like my, one of my shoulders is down. And when I lay on this side, I can feel it slightly dislocate a little, not dislocate, but like on a line. And then I have to like put my arms up and push them back and I can feel it like pop back into place. And that's not something that happens to, to people. And you know, that my, like, I just, I'm afraid of doing all these everyday activities because I know that I might hurt myself. Like I can't go ice skating or rollerblading without worrying about my ankles or running without, or hiking without my knees or like lifting anything without my back and my mom too. And just like living, you're discovering that this stuff is genetic. Yes. And like, Mm. and my mom, my mom was in nursing for like 15 years and didn't know about this. Yeah. (laughs) So it was one where then I kind of told her about it and all of these linked conditions that seemed like they wouldn't like IBS and stuff that didn't, why would that go with a, you know, joints thing, you know, but it does. And, and I have TMJ, right? Like Mm. I knew my jaw will like triple click when it opens and pretty much everybody, when I talked to anybody just would just throw their hands up in the air and be like, well, you know, I don't really know. You could see a physical therapist, but it's like, I have ADHD and completing the exercises that I'm assigned to do on a regular basis. I try, I really do. But forming new habits is tremendously difficult. More people, people just get this, like, well, forming habits is hard for everyone mentality that puts the shame back on me, right? The same way that like for most of these things, like we'll eat better and exercise and just don't be stressed as much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> don't be stressed. And and you wouldn't be stressed if you worked out, but you're not working out because you're lazy. And if you weren't lazy, you wouldn't have these issues and it's all your fault for everything. And there are times where like, yes, ex- but to a certain extent, you're like, I have hard time exercising because exercising hurts my body. And it's like, well, your body wouldn't hurt if you exercise. And I'm like, do you understand what you're saying though? Like I am doing, this is the biggest catch 22 I've ever heard. It's like a catch 22, two, 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 two. You need to work out 
too like or like you need to work out so that your ehlers danlos doesn't hurt your body but you're not working out because your ehlers danlos hurts your body yeah and then how does the bipolar 2 um tie into all of this as well when were you diagnosed with that i got diagnosed with that when i was 26 and mm. so i had been seeing um and i i got to, i got told by three different uh, therapist, I had three different mood disorders, but everybody's like, you've got more than an ADHD thing going on. Yeah. I will just stay up really, really late. I will go on like these impulsive shopping sprees where I'm like, I'm going to go blow three grand, um, in two weeks and just, um, really, really sudden, like productivity focused behavior Mm. where it's like, I'm going to clean, like I suddenly have the energy and the motivation to, clean and organize the entire house, right? So I've got my ADHD hyperfocus and my hypomania, like our powers combined. And it feels really good because when mm. you have ADHD um, and feel unproductive or have depression issues, like uh, being unproductive is what you're used to. And it brings you all of this guilt, right? Because you don't want to be unproductive. So then when you suddenly have this burst of, energy to get stuff done and you're able to do it it's like you're flying high on this awesome wave and you don't want to come down because as soon as I come down I'm going to stop caring and then I'm going to get depressed and like so a lot of my life is just trying not to get depressed (laughs) right and so uh but when I get into those high states it's really it's very rewarding that's when I make appointments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Make appointments. And, but obviously the flip side of that, it's not like that all sounds good and great and fine until you're like, Oh, I just paid off my credit card. And then I just put four grand on it because I wanted to buy an exercise bike. And now I opened the box for the exercise bike and I saw how long it's going to take to put together. And I'm like, Oh, I'll do that later. And then it's yeah. not sitting in the middle of the floor and it's contributing to the mess that's going to continue to pile up. You're a box person. I'm such a box person. I just cleaned this room. Yeah. And then mail comes in and you can't stop it. And it's just piles. So it's hard because yeah. again, that constant shame cycle of I worked so hard and I have nothing to show for it. It feels like so. And it still looks to people like I'm not trying. Well, what you didn't see is how clean my house was yesterday and how ashamed I feel that it is already so messy. And so like I, it's learning to, because we have this really difficult time with, again, that regulation, that like self-regulation um, and being your, you know, leaving your parents' house and getting to college is difficult on its own. And then once you're out of college, especially you like your parent, even when I'm in college, but your parents stop making appointments for you. Right. And you're paying your own bills and you're doing, you know, your own laundry and you're doing all of this stuff on your own. And then you graduate and you're just in charge, right? You have to parent yourself. And it's very difficult to parent any ADHD child. It is also difficult to parent an ADHD adult (laughs) like myself into like convincing yourself to do stuff you don't want to do. And like, there is this very, um, again, avoidant energy, but the effort that has to go into doing something I don't want to do is high. And it seems to, I think, other people where they look at it truly as this like 
excuse, right? Like if you wanted it bad enough, you would just do it. And I don't, I procrastinate things I want to do. There are books I want to read. There are video games. I'll just like, there are shows I want to watch and I'll just sit, like, I'll think about them. And I'll honestly just like be staring at a wall sometimes thinking about how I want to read, just get up and read. The book is upstairs. You know where it is. We can make some popcorn. Let's go read. Let's read. Why aren't you reading? (laughs) You know? Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. Or reading that paragraph over and over again, right? Because you're like, I'm sure I read that, but I didn't absorb it. And then you got you got four pages in and you're like, oh, uh, I can't focus on this. And then you put it away and you don't touch it again for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like your mom has been your advocate through a lot of this health journey, but you've also had to learn how to self-advocate. Can you talk to us about what that has looked like for you in terms of having a health advocate through all of these experiences? She definitely um, did. My mom, I think, is on the same wavelength as me. In some ways, like, yes, my mom did advocate for me, but there's no way to expect, again, them to know, to be able to connect, I would say, all of the dots all of the time um, and to fully understand. Because there are all of these things I didn't realize were symptoms until I look something up and go, I am that too. Also, and no one knows what it's like to be inside your head. Yes. Yes. Okay, guys, I want to talk about coaching. I recently connected with an awesome executive and life coach, and her name is Jenna Chieko, a graduate of Dr. Martha Beck's program with a background in psychology and law. She's a former tech general counsel and chief of staff who also worked for the Obama administration. Jenna inspires clients to step into their best lives by helping them access their inner strengths, clear the cobwebs holding them back, and cultivate a dream big growth mindset. She is also a life Sherpa for navigating change. You know who I know who has big dreams and is navigating massive changes now more than ever with coronavirus? We Spoonies. Jenna works virtually and she's offering 10% off to new clients who enroll and mention code INVISIBLE. Her rates are reasonable and she's dedicated to help us rise to the top. Go to jennachieco.com, that's G-E-N-A-C-H-I-E-C-O.com for more. I mean, would you also say that like, this inequality in the healthcare system, particularly where privilege is concerned, right? Where prejudice is concerned, like racial and gender inequality in the healthcare system. Would you say that that's a public health crisis? In a way, yeah, definitely. There are times where Josh has literally told me, he's like, I'm going to come to your doctor's appointment. This is your husband. Yes. Yeah. My husband has told me that like, he, I'll tell him stuff that happens afterwards. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah going on and so he definitely I mean he's a white guy so like the idea of someone telling him he's wrong is not as as frequent you know mm. I want to I want you to tell our listeners about the work that you do as an illustrator to bring awareness to ADHD and yeah. you know how you are sharing your experience through your art can you talk to us about the work that you've created and and how you've gotten recognition for it I'm a designer, like by, I say a designer by trade and illustrator for fun. There's illustrations that always kind of got, there's more say one in the same in a way. Overlap for sure. Wanted to be a designer since I was like very young, always wanted to be an artist of some sort. Only consistent thing in my life mm. <laughs> is of art. Uh-huh. And so I really like, st- I majored in um, visual communication and design. And so most uh, people think graphic design and it's it's not just about making things pretty right it's design is art with a purpose 
So even if that purpose is to make you buy shoes, it's it's laid out in a way that I would say understands how you think, what you're going to look mm. at, in what order, what information is the most important, what am I trying to make sure you take away from this as you pass it while you walk? Yeah. You know, that is design. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's also great. It's also, but it's, it's making um, something that is memorable in people's heads, right? Mm. Um, that gets across. Um, it's a communication tool, visual communication. And so for me, I have, I went to school where they really put it in your head that like, it should be as simple as it can be. Like if you can take it out, you should take it out kind of a thing, which is really difficult for someone like me where I'm just like all of the things. <laughs> but uh, it's very like I've, I kind of developed this really like clean style, right? And, and simple and easy to understand because my ADHD brain likes that. It doesn't get, it's not as overwhelming. You know, it's the same as when you open an app that's very clean and minimal. And you're like, oh, I just like using this. It's just so pretty. Because it's not trying to get your attention everywhere, right? So I um, started, I made this flow chart uh, after I had started working at Gallup. And I had, I'd been there like two months. I started to make new friends and they were openly talking about therapy. And I just never heard anybody talking about therapy openly ever, even, you know, my friends or anything. And so it was just so casual. I just... I just casually said that I have ADHD and everyone was like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's not surprising, you know? And so me getting off track as anyone listening can, can attest to, but <laughs> no, you're right on track. Don't worry. It's my job to keep you there. I am entertaining if anything, but I do, I do tend to get off track. Uh, but you always come back. I do. I'm better about it now because mm. I, and I'll get into why that is, <laughs> but I, I follow every single like association that my brain, because people with ADHD also form associations very quickly. And I do not have the impulse control to not tug at a thread. Hmm. Right? And so I see it and I'm like, just real fast. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really, I'm going to make a comment about that. Uh, it's really this thing where it became an inside joke that I kind of came up with how I'm like, well, my, the, conductor in my train of thought he's just really bad at his job he falls asleep at the wheel all the time <laughs> that's cute up, you know and it just goes off the rails and uh takes too many detours and just wants to show you every single thing he's too excited and so i named him right donnie danovan it's danny donovan so donnie danovan donnie and i'd get off track telling a story and they're like donnie <laughs> that's cute <laughs> So, you know, and there was like, a, it wasn't a mean, shameful, like, can you just get to the point, you know? Yeah, it was like an embracing of it. Because I came up with it. So mm. it was friendly. Like, well, and you were in control of the narrative there. Yes. Yes. And it never felt like an angry, you know, anno I never felt annoying. It felt like a that conductor in your train of thought might be falling asleep, you know, and it like brings you back in like a nice way because I appreciated knowing when I, cause I was much less self-aware than I am now. Um, but I made this flow chart, right. About how I would say other people tell stories and then how my ADHD storytelling kind of goes and it's this big windy flow chart. And I sent it to my coworker and she goes, Oh my gosh, this is so you, where did you find this? I go, I made, I made it. <laughs> 
and so she goes, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. And I wasn't going to post it because my boss followed me on Instagram and I didn't want I hadn't told him. And I there's still that shame of I don't want my boss to know I have ADHD because he might not trust me with stuff or he might be overanalyzing my performance or, you know, really paying attention to what, you know, I just, it felt like I wasn't wanting to do that. Unless yeah, there's I, caution. I've only done that in the past if I start to get in trouble at work, which I historically mm. do, but I wasn't yet. I hadn't gotten in trouble at work. Mm, interesting. I, I really, so I posted it on Twitter instead because like nobody followed me on Twitter. So like no one, maybe it would get like five likes because I would get excited if anything. I made got like five likes. <laughs> Ooh. And then so mm. it blew up and I, I mean, I didn't put a watermark on it or anything. So I didn't anticipate that the first thing I made would go viral and mm. it, it got really, really big and that felt amazing. But the, the last stage of it, right, says apologize. It doesn't stop with end of story like the other one. It just goes apologize because I've always felt like this guilt for taking up space and that, you know, triggering shame of feeling annoying and worrying that I'm annoying people Mm. or overanalyzing every micro expression on their face to see if they're engaged in the conversation I'm telling or the story I'm telling. And so as soon as I start to notice that they look like they're a little less interested, I like, you know, kind of go back. Mm. Apologize is just a really, um, big part of this obviously cycle that I have and people in the comments were just like crying people Mm. were crying thinking like wow I didn't notice I did that that is what I do oh my gosh my I didn't think that this was related to my ADHD like I ooh, you know so everyone was kind of having this collective understanding an emotional response emotional response to this Whereas other people were like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. That's so me. I'm real, you know, and mm. with when you've got a actual mental disorder that you have disordered thinking, disordered, mm. disordered thoughts and difficulty prioritizing thoughts, time management uh, and time blindness, right? Where I don't, I don't realize how long I've been doing something and, and I don't look at the clock often enough. The, um understanding that wow okay like this resonated I have I actually had made like another Venn diagram a while back of like what I'm supposed to do and what I'm actually doing kind of mm. thing and so I've always loved these like data visualization kind of information design but funny and so I did this uh that comic and then I think well I'm going to start to make I have to make some more of these and they were just like all kind of getting the same response. I was like, people need, I want to make the type of content that I would like to see because I, I do see some comics and stuff about like anxiety, like, um, mm. Gemma is really amazing. Who she, is, sorry, say that again. Uh, Gemma Carell. Yes. Who, I didn't think it would happen so quickly, I guess. Uh, and so being able to have such an understanding group to my favorite part of doing this is that I love, uh, obviously, people feeling seen and, and validated. Uh, I get emails and DMs from people who are neurotypical, and they said, I was so angry at my husband for so long, and I feel so horrible now, you know, and parents, mm. too, being like, I feel so terrible for how I have looked at down at them 
And I realize now how harmful that was. And I'm, I'm thankful for your comics because as, as hurt, as upset as I am about me, like, oh, poor, like, I Mm. didn't know. I, I'm an asshole. Like, I shouldn't have, you know, but like moving forward, I now have, am armed with information as to not continue to do harm in that way. And to be able to maybe make some, you know, connections and some forgiveness and and make an apology for what has been done in the past and to moving forward know you're not the biggest thing is just we're not doing this on purpose yeah (laughs) really what it is don't call us lazy and we're not doing this on purpose right Uh, and then the other thing that I get the most which I would say is my my favorite of the favorites is how many people didn't know they had ADHD and then they hear (laughs) And they look at my stuff and they read my jokes and they see my TikToks and they look at my comics and they go, I think I have ADHD. And then yeah. they go to a doctor and they get diagnosed and they get treated and then they email me and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm 44, or I'm 61 or I'm in high school or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I felt so, you know, they all send very long messages. They all apologize at the end. It's very funny. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> We're like, oh, I'm so sorry for the novel. <laughs> <laughs> And so, but to hear from so many people on so many different outlets that they didn't realize it. And it's because this is my favorite part about doing it, I would say, over social media and mm-hmm. because of how um, the platforms that I've chosen work, right? Especially Twitter and TikTok. Super accessible. You are being exposed to content that is not made by your friends. Yeah. You are being, people are retweeting, you know, and that happens sometimes on Facebook and that happens like sometimes on Instagram. Hmm. But for the most part, you're seeing that is more bubble land, right? Um, the same way that I think for other like social justice issues, like when I see stuff about, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's that is coming from people of color. It's coming from Twitter and it's coming from TikTok because I am, I went to a high school and a college, like I, don't have as many people, you know, you don't have a big a network. Yeah. Oh, I just don't. And like, I don't. And the people that I do that I am friends with, I don't expect them to be my source of information, but you know, that's so right. They are, that's not what they're there for to like educate white people about. Right. On like, you know, but on Twitter, there've been so many free resources available. Exactly. Like to Google it yourself. Right. But like mm. on Twitter and TikTok, you're seeing all of this stuff that other people are sharing, or you're seeing stuff that's coming to your for like the way TikTok works where it's on your for you page based on what you've liked in the past. You might like this. You've never heard of this person, but like, and then you're exposed to this stuff. And so the types of videos and the types of tweets that I make, and especially if your friend retweeted me and you guys are friends because you get along, your friend has ADHD and then they see this and then they go down this rabbit hole or someone, someone sends this fun and especially making them short mm. because ADHD is notoriously short attention spans. Uh, we can really make it into this thing where it's very shareable. Yeah. It's easy to digest. I try to keep them very simple and, and it's educational with with little text and bright colors that help guide your eye to where you're supposed to go. And the reason why I love doing this in I would say that way is that people understand how charts 
how you read charts, how yeah. you read a chart, how you read a bar chart, how a flow chart works. And I, I've done, there's been, I think my comics have been translated in like eight languages right wow. now. And because they're the same, flow charts are the same everywhere, mm. you know. Yeah. Like, so it's not going to be so much of a language barrier thing um, because especially like, ma- you know, math and charts are, are the same. And so this universal language of information design combined with humor um, and some some educational stuff, but for the most part, everything is coming from me. Mm. Like I very much try to make it clear that this is my experience and my ADHD. I don't say people with ADHD have a hard time with. I say I have a hard time with or my ADHD makes it hard for me too. Mm. And because at the end of the day, people can't tell me I am wrong about how I feel about myself. Yeah. And so it's really important to me to not like pose myself as this expert on ADHD, but I am an expert on how it feel, how I feel living with ADHD. And so I think that that's the authenticity that comes with it is it's so specific and I will not make comics that are things that I didn't go through. I'm not going to make a comic about struggling in school that's not authentic to my experience because that's just empty. And I think people can tell Hmm. I never wanted to be someone that's going to either talk about things that I don't know anything about because that was my biggest issue with ADHD stuff in the past, right? Hmm. It's clinical. It's like a symptoms list. It's dry. It's coming from someone probably who doesn't have ADHD, who's giving this very generic list of, of symptoms that don't, tied to something concrete like well it's not, I, not personal it's not like you might have a hard time with laundry like zero articles about mm. on webmd talk, you know talk about maybe i can't say zero i don't i haven't read all of them but <laughs> where i i meeting people where they're at right mm. i had an adhd diagnosis and i truly got to 10 i went 10 years without looking up adhd without doing any research, doing any kind of, I wonder if I could do something besides just taking meds that would make things easier. I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, and I stumbled onto Jessica's ADHD, like, you know, YouTube page and that kind of opened a lot of things up for me, Mm. but it's one where social media, a lot of us aren't going and looking up ADHD podcasts, ADHD books, ADHD, this and that. And so until we start to realize Oh, this explains a lot. That opens the door to them wanting to go find more resources, more specific resources, um, more educational. And resources, resources that are from, for the community or by the community for the community, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, absolutely. Much more representative in that way. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's one where you're more likely to say, listen. Mm. Yeah, and connect on a very human level. Because a lot of articles are like, people with ADHD have a hard time with routines. That's why forming a good routine is really important. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's so generic and so clinical and like sterile in its approach. Absolutely. I want to know as well, because I mean, you're so connected to the ADHD community. Do you have any tips that you could share with us? I would love to know if you have like top three tips for someone who like, 
maybe they're on the precipice of diagnosis and they're like, something funky is going on with their mental health or their physical health, or maybe they've got ADHD or maybe they've got bipolar too. What advice would you offer um, as like your top three tips for navigating the experience of neurodiversity and, you know, living this chronic illness, chronic um, condition life? Well, okay. So this would be, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, I think that everyone's like, it's very human experience. I think to assume everybody does the same stuff that we do, which is part of the problem. Right. But for me, I I didn't realize that other people don't just like Google their symptoms all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But, and sometimes you don't even think to, because sometimes they don't even seem like symptoms, especially. And WebMD has this, you know, notorious uh, reputation for like taking people down a rabbit hole and thinking they're dying. I, I just really think that being, although I, so there, I, that's a, I was a double-edged sword, but like there's a careful, be careful, but also there's, that's so important that that educating mm-hmm. yourself right so well, I guess, choosing legitimate sources right like knowing what's good well and checking out a bunch of different ones i don't ever just like look at one and think like oh that's it and right i and also understanding that if you know that you've got certain things that there are likely conditions that are frequently tied to those things right because mm-hmm. i swear there's got to be an eds adhd connection because Everyone I know with AD, with ED has had ADHD. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yes. So, like, I'm, I'm, I need to. I someone needs to do a study on it. I have only anecdotal ed- evidence, but I like have ten people in my life that. Wow. So, but there's ones where, and I've seen like some. There are some studies. You know, there's you can find a study for anything, but um, like I said, with the um certain like heart conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, why am I having a hard time breathing? Why is this happening? I'm looking through all these different, you know, kind of things and freaking myself out, panicking, looking at panic disorder things, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one where um seeing doing research about Ehlers Danlos, seeing stuff with that, and then starting to like connect dots, giving making myself more as a informed mm-hmm. as the, the comorbidity, the same thing with bipolar and ADHD. I saw a thing. It's like, uh, okay, I'm, I don't want to look this up. This I can't f- for sure say that this is 100% accurate what it is, but it's something like uh, 50 or 30% of people with ADHD have bipolar. Wow. Bipolar, but like 80% of people with bipolar too have ADHD. Oh wow. Or something like that. Like we'll have to I, look it up. A very dramatic difference but it's just like there's it is very high comorbidity but if you have that like it is very high uh the same thing with like if you've got adhd it is very likely that you have suffered from depression or anxiety at some point right. in your life if not currently right um because they feed into each other hmm. because there's a foundational issue that feeds into you know kind of this other stuff and so so researching the the comorbidities and understanding Yes. Or if you've got, um, like empowering yourself with information is what this sounds like. Yeah. Like, so with ADHD, right. This has been the thing blowing my mind with ADHD is that there are pieces and parts that are not on a symptom list 
that I find out later are related to ADHD, such as having auditory processing disorders, which mm. I just found out about, which is why I mishear people all of the time and why I like blenders and vacuums like hurt my ears. Same. Tested, I've been tested for hearing problems, but my ears are actually fine. Mm. But I have to pause the TV when someone's talking to me because I can't have any, I get too distracted by external stimuli. Mm. It is very, it's like very, very common with ADHD. The same thing with trichotillomania, skin picking, scalp picking. I pull my eyelashes out when I get anxious, like things mm. like related to ADHD. Like I pick at my skin and so does my, like there's mm. all of these things that are like little things I never noticed about myself or like I did, maybe did notice, but never thought could be a condition connected to a larger thing right mm. and so doing this again educating yourself and um finding out these different things that just like help to explain i'm like i feel like i understand mm. most of my brain now actually yeah I feel like no rock and turn kind of thing the internet is your oyster <laughs> Starting with things like, um, so I had started the hashtag NeuroDiverse Squad and people have been using that hashtag for, and not just, not just, AD, there's a lot of people with ADHD in it, but not uh, just ADHDers, there's people talking about autism and autism spectrum disorders and helping to like work on the stigma of autism because mm. think if you think an autistic person Lots of people have the same white boy mm. with look in their in their head that behaves a certain way and not like, you know, women of color with autism. Like, yeah, thing. but so I think that us kind of stepping back and looking again holistically at how the puzzle pieces fit together, are there puzzle pieces that I might be missing? And then knowing that. It might be a lot of people say like, well, how do I go talk to my doctor? I thought I relate to all your comics, but I feel kind of weird being like, mm. I saw all these girls comics online and I think that I might have it. But that's like, I've been told people do that. They take, yeah. they said, I, you know, saw all of these, these all resonated. I did some research. All of this sounds like me. Could you give me an assessment? Mm. Can we figure out if this is what's going on? Mm. Now, if you come in saying something along, and that's what I guess I've had some help with doing, saying, not, I, I have this, but being like, I have done a bunch of research. I've checked a lot of sources. I have, but, you know, obviously I say, obviously I don't have a medical degree. I wanted to have a conversation about this. Um, and if this would help explain things, because this sounds, this resonates so much with me, hmm. it would help explain a lot. If there's a better explanation out there, like, like by all means, I'd be happy to hear it, but like, I really think that there's something going on. And so tip, tip number one is do the research. It's sort of, this is sort of three tips in one, isn't it? Cause you're saying do the research and like find legitimate sources of information, notate everything, get your notes ready, go to your doctor and bring this information to a medical professional so that you can get a diagnosis. So all three tips. Yes. And it's pretty much that like, I, at least I try said Danny as she complained earlier of saying that doctors sometimes still don't listen. Mm. And I guess my fourth tip would be, and it's so much easier said than done. That's the biggest thing that I like to do with ADHD people is be like, look, I can give tips all I want. 
if you can't do it, if it's still too hard, like that is okay. You are not a failure at some point. Maybe you'll be able to do, you know, get it, but it's okay. If it's really hard, it's really hard for me. Um, but the fourth one is like, if that not all doctors are going to be knowledgeable in the thing that you want to talk to them about. And so I've had people who say, well, I went and talked to a doctor and they said, I didn't have ADHD, but like, I really think I do. I'm like, you can always see another doctor. And they saw another doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, no, you totally do. And doctors have, have mis, you know, preconceived notions about ADHD too. It's, it's not something that just because someone has a degree means that they know everything about everything. So I think that it's very important to, if you have a very deep gut feeling about something, Mm. um, or if you get kind of like a weird vibe or you feel like someone's not listening to you, then it's time to move on, you know, and do your best to find someone else. Because I recently found that integrative medicine doctor who like, specifically looks at everything like for someone like me where I've got a lot of stuff going on I didn't even know that was a thing Mm. I didn't even know that there was holistic medicine because to me that sounded like they were little woo woo yeah like you know and so I I didn't I didn't know what that kind of was and so I think to talk part five talking about it once you do learn things I cannot express how powerful talking openly with your friend. Like if my friends weren't talking about therapy, I would not even be on this podcast call right now. I would not yeah. have made a comic. I would not have posted it. So like we would never have met Donnie Danovan. Donnie Danovan. Exactly. So <laughs> someone who it's, it is brave and to be mm. vulnerable and it is, but like, especially for mental stuff right now, because this is the next neurodiversity is a diversity movement as well. It is different and separate and there are very different struggles, but like to recognize that like your feelings and burdens are valid and that there are people out there who are dying to hear that your burdens are matched what they're going through. Mm. And then you will empower them maybe to talk about theirs. And it has this huge Ripple, ripple effect. Yeah. Now every everyone's like everybody on it and Twitter's talking about ADHD. Where did my whole like my whole my whole timeline's ADHD all the time? I'm like, guess what? We're all just really quiet about it. Yeah, well maybe like we all have ADHD and we're not talking about it. Yeah. We're like we have we tend to find like-minded people mm. and click with them. And so that's why I had my friend yesterday was like, all of these artists I follow, I keep thinking that it's you posting this. And then I realized like, oh no, it's this other artist. And Mm. so just to know that like people, a lot of people that you, you know, look up to or that you really like click with, um, that having those open, honest conversations may lead to someone else feeling comfortable, you know, and it's that like, it's too scary. But when someone else goes first, it becomes less scary. Mm. Because of that, after I kind of got used to saying online, then I felt more comfortable talking about my ADHD, telling someone I had ADHD. And now someone will come up to me in the co-working space and say, oh, so what do you do? Or they don't, they stay, they have a mask and they stand outside my office. <laughs> so people just come up to me and talk to me. I wanted to but they'll be like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I have ADHD. I make ADHD come, you know, and I just remember how I'm like, I used, I didn't say that out loud ever. And now it's just like, you've grown. 
yeah and so i don't feel i don't have that sense that same sense of shame attached to like worry of judgment because i now i know if someone judges me mm. they are the asshole that is their problem that is not my problem their like misconceptions about this are not yeah. That, that is 100% their problem. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. What about, um, can you give us three things that give you unbridled joy? Because this is just a, a lovely one to sort of like get into that positive place. Like I want to know when you're having like a PMDD flare or when you need to just like perk yourself up, what are three things that you turn to that make you happy and light you up? Uh, venting on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's number one easier for me because and I said easier for me but like when I I used to carry this burden with me and feel like it was extra you know heavy and it's not like I just unload it on the internet and it goes away but it's one where I am able it's like a honestly online diary and the fact that I am putting it out there in a thread as a way to express myself and make myself think about how I'm thinking about things other people to read it and it resonate and knowing that like I in this moment I feel like I am suffering through something but I feel happiness and validation by through the comments knowing I'm not alone other people are going through this people crying because they're it made their day or they were going through a similar thing community yeah like feel supported in that moment and to feel um like I and having a positive impact on somebody else. Hmm. So venting on Twitter, both when something is going wrong and I'm having a meltdown and I need people to know my life, not that anybody thinks this, but I was like, I don't have my shit together. Here's what's going on. Just so you can see the ugly side of like, we're all trying to get through it. But then on the other side, when I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I just like organized my fridge. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> Oh my God, will you please come organize mine? <laughs> no, I, no, I'm done doing it for like a year. <laughs> for me to be able to post something like that and them to understand why it is such a huge victory hmm. and for them to feel like, oh my God, you know, so that's inspiring. But to be like, if she can clean her fridge, maybe I can clean my fridge. And I'll see people who are like, you just inspired me to go clean my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> To both highs and lows, be able to, you know, um, share, share experiences and mm -hmm. not just opinions. I yeah. Used to opinion share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I totally get that. I think that's beautiful. And then um, I love, so I'm getting actually much better about this. I love, obviously art is my job. I like creating comics. Um, I have started to use, so my iPad, getting my iPad pro with the pencil and stuff. You love that thing. I know brought me back to being able to do I used to do art all the time I was carrying sketchbook with me always and this iPad and using Procreate which is like $20 one time not a subscription which like who does that right I'm not sponsored I wish I was <laughs> Procreate come sponsor Danny please oh my gosh uh, and so nothing but good things to say the they have I make like abstract stuff where I'll just like it's essentially like I'm splattering paint and moving stuff around and like, Ooh, I don't like that undo, you know, so I can make something that looks like an oil painting wow. thing. Um, and I can make it perfect. So I don't have to like make the mess of it. You know, oil painting in itself is like one thing, but it's like that mm. false cleanup. And so I can be really creative or if I'm at a conference and I want to take, you know, really pretty doodle notes, 
you know, while it, which will help me pay attention, but I can, you know, have a layer where I write down stuff that people said really fast and I hide that layer and I'm drawing stuff. And then afterwards I have this beautiful like illustration with the bullet point highlights of that conference. Mm. And, and then, and then a lot of the times I will send it to the conference and then they post it on their social media, which is, that's really nice. But it's one where like, it keeps my brain engaged. It makes me happy. I'm still paying attention. I'm still doodling, but I'm like doodling with a purpose. So whether it be abstract art, comic art, doing something like definitely drawing on my iPad and making digital art is, I love that is fun. Procreate iPad, the pen. Yes. And then they're all good. And then the last one I love. Okay. So I love learn. I, I do that. This is another thing I love doing. It's, it's, and say ADHD friendly. Because were you about to say this. I love learning? Cause I love if that's what you were going to say. Yay. It is, it is. She uh, loves learning. <laughs> learn. Uh, but I do it with Josh a lot. So we have like, and we don't do anything consistently. We very rarely finish them, but we, we have like a subscription, like masterclass and like code Academy and Skillshare and like, um, we do, you know, we watch a lot of YouTube videos and like, we're going to learn how to grow our own garden. And like, mm. we're going to, let's do this. I want to learn how to mix EDM music and like <laughs> the board game. And like, so we have, and it's something different every other week. And it's sort of funny when I made it, I made like a list one time of like all of the, the different hobbies, but just the process of, having the idea of like, I wonder how that works. Or like, I wonder, like we watched more documentaries now, like, I wonder how that works. Or that sounds interesting. Like, how would we do that? Or I want to learn how to watercolor. And sometimes that does get pricey because it's like, I'm going to buy all the supplies to do this two times. But right now, like last year, I'm like, I want to sew stuff, right? I'm going to get sewing machine. I'm going to make cosplay clothes or something. And face masks. Yeah. Well, and so a year ago, and I made, I made a, a zipper, two zipper pouches, and I think that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's something and like, it's useful. Now I have made like 18 face masks. Wow. It's something where, I mean, and that's the only thing I'm making right now, but the fact that like I got it back out and I have used it and you know, or if I bust out my cricket once every five months, you know, I, find my way back to things and I'm finally over the whole like beating myself up for not sticking with one thing so yeah I was like collecting hobbies and learning new learning new stuff I love that (laughs) Danny can you remind everyone where they can find you and your work so that they can plug into everything you're about yeah so I um my uh okay so at Danny Donovan d-a-n-i-d-o-n-o-v-a-n that is my Instagram, my Twitter, my TikTok, uh, DannyDonovan.com, which will just redirect you to ADHDDD.com, which is... And this, we'll link all of this on the website page for the episode. Yeah. So it's, uh, I've got some like poster prints and stuff. And then my Patreon is just patreon.com slash DannyDonovan. And since I started making this kind of my full-time gig right before coronavirus, um, I'm just so thankful for the supportive community and people who are out there who support small artists and advocates and the like, because it's people like you guys who help make what we do possible. And so it's like people like you're doing important work. I'm like, they're doing important work to help us do important. (laughs) We're all doing important work together. I love it. Danny, it has been such an honor to talk to you as always. 
Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.